Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once, it's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Once you make a decision, you kind of just go with it and roll with whatever that experience is. You know, that has taken a lot of pressure off of decision making for me, which I've struggled with in the past because. Uh, I feel like, you know, there's a lot to weigh with a decision. There's a lot of back and forth in your mind. You can play the ping pong game forever. But now my mindset is, well, once I make one, let me just, you know, here's the path I'm taking. Let's just sit back and go on this ride. And it doesn't mean don't be proactive or don't, you know, try to make things happen. But it's just like the decision's made. Now I'm going to have this experience in life, whatever that is, based on this decision. Let me just be open to what that is. And I feel like that's really helped me kind of navigate these tougher decisions and kind of go down that river and just see what happens. How you day, how you day. That was the voice of Jason Moore. Today was an interesting discussion because Jason Moore started his podcast right around the time I started mine. I think he started it a little earlier than mine. And when I was starting mine, his podcast was one of the only podcasts in the space that, you know, that we're both in right now. And it's interesting to see the development and the transformation and the evolution that has gone on since then. And the, and the reason why, you know, I, I love this episode is because I hope it mirrors your life in some shape or form where it identifies how you can turn a passion into a career and you can evolve as you grow as well. And you're going to see multiple examples of that in the episode and, and for you to maybe possibly apply to your life. Make sure you check out his episode. I also went on his podcast. So this episode is coming out the same time my, my episode on his podcast comes on. But it's an interesting life that he's chosen to live and he's made his passion his career. So I hope you take those lessons and you share it and please subscribe to his podcast he's got a great podcast enjoy the episode and see you on the other side welcome to another episode of as told by nomads and today i have a brother i never knew i had oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) jason moore jason moore is is calling us from norway and uh, let me tell you a little bit about Jason. Jason is the founder of two companies, Zero to Travel and Location Indie. We're going to dive into these companies. And he has created an incredible community for location, independent entrepreneurs, as well as digital nomads. And he's done this living life on his own terms because after he graduated from college, he was clueless about pretty much everything when it came to realizing a dream. And so this gentleman from the suburbs of Philadelphia decided to chart a path. 
a path that has led him to greatness. And now <laughs> is going to let us in on some of that juicy details. Welcome to the show, Jason. <laughs> wow. Thanks, man. I love it. A uh, greatness. I don't know. That's debatable. Uh, it depends on who you are. Uh, I'm sure my wife would disagree. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is for real though. Jason, I'm so no. curious because a uh, uh, little backstory here. Jason's podcast came out a year before mine. Mine came out in 2014. And when my podcast came out, Jason was always ranking and he's like been the most consistent podcaster in, in the travel podcasting space. So I always admired that. And, and, and uh, I'm glad we're finally doing this. But finally. Yeah. But why? <laughs> How did you tell me why you decided to launch a podcast after graduating you know, college and you know, having over $20,000 in student debt? Well, I should mention that the host with the most here, Tayo Roxon, is a guest on the Zero to Travel podcast. We just recorded an episode with him. So if you want to hear the tables turned, you can do that. Um, no. Sure. All right. So the podcast, yeah, like you, we talked about it on my show it was, you know, what's a podcast was the reaction from a lot of people, right? I had many conversations when I was traveling the world with people that either wanted to travel and wanted to learn how to do it. You know, we might be passing through town on some crazy job I was doing. And how do you, what do you mean? You just go around and you, yeah, I'm like, yeah, we're like carnies, you know, we're just traveling around, <laughs> setting up events, um, <laughs> doing these random jobs, talking to so many people all over the, the US and then traveling abroad, meeting people in hostels, meeting people who wanted to learn how to travel more and also meeting other travelers and just other people, locals, whoever that found different ways to travel the world or to live abroad. And I just thought people need to know this. Like this is all the stuff that I wanted to know, but I got it piecemeal over many years. Mm -hmm. Right. And for me, audio was always the natural medium, I guess. I felt like pretty comfortable just asking people questions because I'm a curious person like you by nature. So I like learning. I would have these conversations without recording them anyway, just to, to learn. And I just thought, well, why don't I record these and put it out on a podcast and do this thing and just share these stories and all these different ways people can travel. And that way people can learn how to build their own travel lifestyle, like an a la carte menu, right? And some of the stuff they might use, practically speaking, they might learn how to go you know, live on farms and, and that's something they might want to do. And later on, they might want to start a business. You know, Life evolves. Uh, but I think one thing that's consistent with people that like travel is that generally that's an interest that kind of stays with you for the long term. Yeah. I feel right. It's one of the few ones like other things can come and go. Like I love to do karaoke and maybe you do that for like three years, like a maniac and you don't <laughs> do it again, whatever. It's not like the only hobby that stays with you and it doesn't always stay with you. But I think generally speaking, people that love to travel, it's, it's with them their whole lives. So that means the way they are going to do is going to change uh, the strategies they might use to create a lifestyle around travel around something they love is going to change. So let me just try to put together something that really just provides value to people. And that was the intention behind the podcast. There was no real business intention behind it or anything. Like I yeah. thought well, maybe this would be cool to, you know, do something around this. And I was making the website and everything. So I guess it was going to be more of a, a resource and I hope to turn it into something. But as you know, you start things and you have no idea where they're going to go. So yeah. I, I love this because I think it reminds people of how important it is to 
follow your passions. You know, that's such a cliche statement or you know, follow your passion, follow your passion, follow your dreams. Yeah. But you had a passion for travel and then you created a platform to share travel knowledge. And you've been doing that since 2013. And a lot of the unintended consequences sometimes that comes from essentially following your passion around something you want to do is that you, you develop a community, right? Yeah. And, and, and the community starts to give you ideas uh, for what you need to do. And then they start to inform you about, hey, this is what worked and this is what I like and this is what I took away. And that can in turn serve as a, as a catalyst and motivated for you to even think of yourself as a big picture um, thought leader in the space. So yeah. I'm yeah. So I'm curious for you, when did you realize that you were a thought leader in the space? Well, I didn't realize it till you just said I was. Stop, I guess. stop it. Come on. <laughs> you know you are. What do you no, but seriously, I don't really think of myself as uh, I think it would be. Yeah, I, I would never say that I'm a thought leader, I guess. Um, I, I guess I've just had this thing for a while and I, I feel I feel very fortunate. Uh, you know, the podcasts. Uh, this is something I wanted to ask you, like what you've learned from the podcast has taught me so much, just having all of these different conversations, being exposed to new ideas, perspectives. Uh, I learn from the guests and then I can dive deeper on those later on. Um, and then of course, like you said, sharing this, it creates a whole different energy where you then start, you know, bring people into the mix, the community aspect. And yeah. like you said, getting ideas and, and, and guest recommendations and, um, other perspectives. And, and it's just, it's kind of snowballs. And uh, it's interesting when you said, follow your passion, like, yes, it's a cliche for me. It's essential. It sounds mm. like for you too. Like I know Classy. some people, some people I think can, can do a job or have a business that, you know, maybe fuels their other passions. So they're like, all right, I don't love bookkeeping or whatever, but it's something somebody needs. And I'm going to have these clients and I'm going to run this thing. I'm going to make this money. And then I'm going to do all the other things I love. And like the business thing is okay. Yeah. The only way I've been able to publish a podcast episode pretty much every week, minus the, the beginning, there was some hit or miss there for, for almost eight years is because of the passion, right? And a lot of that passion is about the passion for serving others, for helping others do the thing that they want to do. Because I'd done all the traveling when I started the podcast. Like, It's not like I don't like to travel more. I love it, but I don't do it full-time like I used to. But I felt like, you know, who are the person, who are the people out there that were in my shoes where I was years ago and wanted to do it, but didn't really know how, Yeah. how can I serve them? And that's like the thing that keeps it going more yeah. than anything. You know what I mean? Like there's been uh, a couple of times that news, news flash here. I've, I don't think if I've ever actually said this on any podcast, including my exclusive. own, <laughs> but uh, like there has been two times where I can seriously remember being kind of at the brink and being like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. Like this is just, it's just a lot of work and it's just happening yeah. all the time. And it's week after week, year after year, every time, both times, I should say that that happened where like, I, I didn't, I wasn't like, I'm going to stop doing this, but I was, I was starting to, I was starting to ask the questions more seriously of myself than not like a passing. Oh, I'm tired today within like 20 minutes. I swear, or like, you know, within the hour, I would get an email from a listener and it would literally have the sentence in it, something along the lines of don't ever stop doing this. Mm. It would, it would like, it would like be an instruction from God or the universe or whatever you want to call it. It'd be from that person, but it came both times. And it was like an ex a sentence that said that exact thing. 
And I'm just like, well, yeah, you, you know, I surrender. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's so funny. It, I, I think a lot of podcasters who've been doing it for, I think, for, I guess for me, it's seven years and you eight years. They have that story uh, because people don't get this. When, when you first start a podcast, uh, it's not good. It's not, you know, unless you're like you fully backed with a company and they've like decided to you know, give you a salary or something. It's not necessarily paying anything. Right. Cause you're, you're just there. Nothing. Yes. It's costing it's, you money. Yes. It's actually <laughs> costing you because you're putting all that there. And so for you to continue to do that while you're trying to figure out the, the, the game that is life, it's very, very, you know, it can be draining sometimes if you're like, Oh, no one watched this or no one did this. And I did all that. Uh, but yes, those emails, I still have some saved. They will always come and they don't always come in like, uh, you know, little sentences. It would be like an, an essay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and that's, and that's such a meaningful thing. But we touched on it there. Initially, you know, podcasting won't be something that it pays for a lot of people, for the vast majority of people doing podcasts. They're, they're probably not earning a full-time income on it. But you have done something. You built two businesses on this. And I, I wanted to dive into that aspect. At, at what point did you realize you could turn this into something for yourself as a career? Well, I suppose it was, I, I suppose when I started it, I thought it would lead to something mm -hmm. because I knew that if you provided value to people, something would happen. <laughs> Didn't know exactly what, but, um, so I, I guess in, when it did first start, it was almost, it was a bit of a side hustle, right? Yeah. Because I was passionate I'd always been passionate after I'd started traveling and people would ask for my advice. I would get really excited, not because I could stand on my soapbox, but because I felt like I had something to offer and it was uh, like enjoyable for me to be able to sit down and share whatever knowledge I had or whatever knowledge I'd learned from others to help this person travel. Did I think that I could make a living helping people travel? I don't know, but it was something that I thought... I wanted to make a living doing somehow. And then I saw there were people having travel blogs and different things. And the podcasting thing was just a decision that came naturally for me because I really enjoy this. I really enjoy having a conversation and what a bonus that I get to have a conversation I'd have anyway. And then I get to record it and share it and people can get value out of that. The whole thing was so super exciting. So I thought when I started everything that I didn't know where it was going to go or how it was going to be a business exactly which isn't the best business strategy, but <laughs> uh, you know, I've learned a lot about business since then, but I had this feeling that I could make something of it eventually over time. Yeah. And you know, I did, I guess it turned into di some different things. And I, I think that the business lesson there for me is just it, it, in some ways you just got to get on the path but also it's good to be hyper aware of the problems that people have and how you're going to solve them and what you can, what product or service you can provide to them to solve that problem. And that's essentially what we were doing along the way, whether it was like my own individual things or with my business partner, if we're talking about location indie uh, and some of the other things that we've done around that is okay. Seeing a problem, recognizing it as a problem, uh, maybe in that case, it was a problem in our own lives as well, getting around other people doing this and then building something that could serve people to solve that problem. Yeah. And it just happened that all of those things were in travel because that's what we love. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I, you know, I always say entrepreneurship is problem solving and you're, you're 
you know, highlighting that here. And for those listening, you've probably heard, uh, like, let me, let me just mention what you've heard. You've heard passion, right? For him, it's a lifestyle. You've heard the idea of offering value, <laughs> which is so key. It, many people don't think about that enough. And then faith, right? He had faith that it was going to work. He was like, I, you know, it's going to lead to something, right? That's faith. And then everything leads to something, right? Yeah, everything leads to something. Uh, But being intimately aware of the problem you're trying to solve. I say this all the time. What problems were you trying to solve with Zero to Travel and Location Indie? Yeah, with Zero to Travel, I mean, it was, you know, I don't know where to begin to start building the lifestyle of travel that I want. So how can I figure that out essentially? Mm -hmm. And Location Indie is a community for people that were building location independent businesses, budding or current entrepreneurs. And really the problem there was getting around, finding a place where they can get around other people that wanted to live an unconventional lifestyle and that wanted to build a business in a certain way, a lifestyle business, a business that is informed from your ideal lifestyle rather than kind of trying to start the business and squeeze that around the business. We kind of flip it over and help people design the lifestyle they want and then have them fit the business around that because we think it's a smarter way to do it. (laughs) Yeah. You're definitely onto something, especially given the way the world is right now. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, now a lot of things have changed. You know, when we started that years ago, there wasn't remote work wasn't really a th- I mean we've been talking about remote work and being a digital nomad and all these things for so many years and now it's become mainstream in some ways unless my bubble's so small that no it's mainstream you know, I just you know, it's mainstream I, I think it's mainstream right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think we might have like a it was a virus or something that came out yeah, that put everybody in their homes I yeah. think so yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you know the echo chamber kind of got busted up wide open <laughs> now everything's yeah um, the remote work thing is out of the bag. I think. Yes, it is. It is. And you, I, I was listening to a podcast where you were guests. You made a, a subtle distinction between location independence and digital nomads. Can you talk about that? Yeah, uh, it could be semantics, really, I suppose. But I, I do think there is a, a difference. Uh, and the difference is a digital nomad is somebody that's on the road all the time and doesn't have a home base and they're just running their business from everywhere. It doesn't mean that they don't you know, rent an Airbnb for three months here, or live six months there, but they don't have one home that they own that they come back to is, I don't know if it's a technical definition, but it's the way I see it. Right. And whereas location independent is more about building a lifestyle where you can work from anywhere and still earn income. So that means that can be home, that can be as a digital nomad traveling around, I mean, the way, the way I could say it is, uh, 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 how would I say this? Okay. All digital nomads are location independent. Not all location independent entrepreneurs are digital nomads. That makes sense. That makes so In much general, sense. In general, it doesn't mean there aren't some, you're probably gonna get some emails from nomads. Uh, I run a bricks and mortar business and, I, you know. But you, you know what I mean? in this section. You said it. You said all digital nomads are location independent. <laughs> That's fine though. But I mean, I, again, it just might be, our own it's my own definition but i think people get the the idea of yeah yeah well, well, speaking of location you're in norway now yeah ah uh, and you're american yeah yeah and, what am i doing here yeah what, what is that i mean what is that it sounds like you're there for a little bit so you're building the, you're building your family there what when did that decision making well, I'll tell you what, it's the middle of winter here right now. Uh, I'm starting to wish I was somewhere else. <laughs> <I'll tell you. laughs> 
Um, you know, I went, uh, uh, long story short, uh, I went on a trip to Brazil. I didn't meet a, meet a Brazilian or I'd be at the beach right now. Ah, that's right. <laughs> I, I met a, a lovely Norwegian a woman and we re- reconnected many years later. Uh, and that's a whole other story. But we, we ended up reconnecting, started dating. I had this intention to be location independent. And I started working for myself as a business development consultant, doing the whole location independent thing, finally realized my location independent lifestyle dreams. And that coincided with my reconnecting with my wife and then started coming to Norway to visit. And we were meeting up in different places around the world and things like that. And long story short, we're married. We have two kids. And when we were having our first child, when we found out we were going to have our first child, at that point, actually, we hadn't decided where we were going to live. We were sort of in between. She had come to America for a few months. Then I was back in Norway for a little bit on a tourist visa. And we just weren't sure if we were going to live somewhere, travel, whatever. And then we found out we were having our daughter and we had to pick a place to live. And if anybody knows uh, anything about, if anybody listening out there knows something about Norway and the social systems here and things like that, the choice was pretty clear in terms of uh, what would be the best decision for a place to raise kids. We, Mm. we felt that the best place was Norway. So the decision was really informed by deciding to have a family and then settle down and do that whole thing. So love, all love <laughs> charlie as they say in uh, norwegian oh that's what it is okay is it charlie uh, charlie charlie okay wow. oh wow okay yeah I, I love that story you know i, I seriously i'm honestly <laughs> i think one of the beautiful things with travel is is you know outside of what you learn about yourself which i think is, is so important it, it's just you know it's the you know the people you meet and yeah. what that can lead to in terms of business life love and it is, uh, it's so important for people to continue to put themselves where they follow the passions, but they're also outside of the comfort zones. And um, I love that sense of community there. Uh, yeah, but, I never thought I would live in Norway. I, I mean, yeah, my I, mom just came to visit, you know, and she was like, I never thought I'd be in Norway. You know what? I would never be in Norway if you weren't here. It's just funny how these decisions in life have this effect where it affects other people's decisions in their lives too. You know, we're all connected and uh, it, it is kind of wild when I look back and think, wow, this is here, you know, here I am. I, I, I'm always of the mind. I shouldn't say I've always been of this mindset, but I feel like it's a good mindset to have that once you make a decision, you kind of just go with it and roll mm. with whatever that experience is, uh. you know? That has taken a lot of pressure off of decision-making for me, which I've struggled with in the past because uh, I feel like, you know, there's a lot to weigh with a decision. There's a lot of back and forth in your mind. You can play the ping pong game forever. But now my mindset is, well, once I make one, let me just, you know, here's the path I'm taking. Let's just sit back and go on this ride. And it doesn't mean don't be proactive or don't, you know, try to make things happen, but it's just like the decision's made. Now I'm going to have this experience in life, whatever that is based on this decision. Let me just be open to what that is. And I feel like that's really helped me kind of navigate these tougher decisions and kind of go down that river and just see what happens. Just wanted to stop by here before we get back to the episode. I wanted to let you all know that I do have a 
collective for people who are interested in developing their cultural competency skills, becoming more anti-racist. And it's a resource of things that you can do with your family, with your school, with yourself to work through your individual journey to become a better culturally competent leader. It's called UID Collective, and the link is in the show notes, but it's a mix of courses, it's a mix of resources, things you can download, and all you need to do is sign up as a member. It's a monthly membership. I'd love for you to check it out, use it with your friends, use it with your family, use it with yourself, okay? The link is in the show notes. It's called UID Collective, and it's for those of you that want to improve your cultural competency skills. Back to the episode. Have you ever thought back to your younger self? your college graduate self when you were clueless about everything and just reflected on the journey? <laughs> yeah. I mean, not, not lately actually, but yes, especially in the beginning starting zero to travel, because sometimes when you start a business, you're your own, you X five, 10, whatever, 20 years ago are your own avatar. Mm. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. You know what I mean? And in my case, I in, in some ways, I was my own avatar. And I'm not talking about like demographics and psychographics and things like that. I'm just talking about somebody who had a dream to travel and really didn't think it was re realistic or possible based on where I grew up because like I never traveled with my family. You know, we took some camping trips with my dad. And one time we went to Florida, but we weren't like travelers, you know, we had not been to other countries. We were sort of the typical Americans without passports um, mm -hmm. who just didn't really go many places like that outside of visiting relatives and things like that. Um, and that's, that's cool. Like that's, we didn't have the income or the lifestyle for that. And uh, so I, I didn't know it, it all seemed so exotic to me, right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, who goes to Paris and like gets their picture taken at the Eiffel Tower? That's almost like an impossible thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it sounds ridiculous because it's just a plane ride away, but right. you just no. don't know, yeah. you know? And in college, I, I remember uh, some of my friends coming back from study abroad and they were like showing me their pictures and talking about their experiences and they lived in Spain and all this stuff. And then they told me that other college students were, you know, backpacking all over Europe afterwards. And, and I just became fascinated with doing this because I, these were like people that I knew and they were doing that. I didn't think I could, I, I didn't think I could afford to study abroad, which was another mistake. If anybody's listening, who's younger, never assume 
that you can't afford something or do something without looking into it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like there are things out there that can, you know, and maybe this is like dating myself, but this is, you know, in the nineties. So there wasn't like a GoFundMe or I don't know, whatever that people are using right now for, for that kind of thing. But there's grants and programs. Those things have always existed. I just never looked into it, man. So, um, yeah, just, uh, just hearing their stories and just, getting obsessed with this idea of going and doing this and then committing to it, even though I had the college debt, $20,000. And even though I should have gotten a regular job, and I got to give credit to my mom because I did get offered a regular job. I, I use regular in air quotes, you know, like the nine to five kind of thing. And I was like, but I want to do this Europe trip, you know? And she's like, well then, even though I was like living on her couch at the time, <laughs> she probably wanted me out of there yeah. eating potato chips and <laughs> whatever watching comedy central um she was like well you gotta you gotta do that thing then so i decided to commit to the trip and i was going to do whatever it took to do that whether it was getting a job waitering or whatever and lo and behold that ended up to me kind of reverse engineering things because i was like hmm well why don't i just look for a job that like requires me to travel then i can get paid to travel so then i started looking for work that way and that turned into me landing a, a position as a tour manager, managing a nationwide tour for a charity event where kids raced modified lawn tractors around a big box retail parking lot. And they would, <laughs> they would donate money to a local charity uh, for each show. So we were traveling city to city every week for eight months. I traveled all over the country, did a couple other gigs after that. And then I went on that solo backpacking trip to Europe. And then I was just, man after that, all that traveling is just like, I, I need to do this all the time. I'm not going to stop. <laughs> I, I love this. Cause I did find out that you are into music. Your audio love is not just, you know, podcasts. You also like audiobooks, which we can get into later, but yeah. music and you, if I'm not mistaken, you're in the process of writing songs now. Is that correct? Yes. Um, well, I'm in a you band didn't, you, here. You didn't, think, you didn't think that I knew it. But. <laughs> <laughs> man, you go deep with your research, man. I'm not prepared to talk about this. No, um, I'm kidding. Uh, you know, well, you talk a lot about identity, right? I mean, yeah, that's yeah. one of the big topics on the show. And this actually ties in with that because I had a guitar when I went on the road on my, I don't know, one of my early gigs and I ended up buying a guitar. I even felt like weird about that. I went in and I'm like, I'm on a guitar. I'm not even going to try a guitar. I don't know how, but I wanted to get a guitar. I love music. And so I got a guitar. I started learning, uh, learning some songs, traveling with it. I'm not like a very good musician. I'm not one of these guys that's, uh, talented and, and, uh, you know, has the ear where I go, Oh, that's a B flat. You know, I, I, can't do any. I still need the tuner to tune my own guitar. You know, I can't even do it with my hands. It's it's pretty pathetic, actually. Yeah, uh, but you're better than me. Um, can't, we can't say that. No, it's not. <laughs> no, it, I can no, guarantee but, you, you're better than most of the average people. Well, but. no, but listen, it, it's it, so the thing was, I would make up. I, I guess looking back, I've always made up songs because I listened to hip hop growing up. Like once I got into what was it? I think I was in like seventh grade or something and I got like way into hip hop. And even that early, I started like writing rhymes. Like I just started, like it's just something that I did naturally, you know, mm -hmm. I'm not saying they were good or anything, but I just started writing. And, and I thinking about this recently, cause I'm like, Holy crap, I've been writing songs for like a really long time. 
I just didn't think of it that way, yes. you know? Um, so also because I had all these unfinished guitar parts and things, and I think I was just, I was not accepting myself as a songwriter. I was not yeah. letting us being a songwriter be a part of my identity. Right. Because I didn't think I was good enough or talented enough. Or, and I'm probably, I'm not, no, but it doesn't no, matter. no, you can't do that. Well, listen, you can't right, do that. listen, listen, no, but what I'm, you know, I know, I know what you're saying, but it's like, <laughs> you know, it did take me until very recently in the last couple of years to say to myself, I'm a songwriter. Yes. I don't care what level I don't care what you think of it. I don't care how crap. I don't care if I can sing in key. I'm a songwriter. I write songs and I'm going to start finishing these songs, whatever it takes. And then I'm going to write the next one and the next one and just try to write songs. And I'm, and I'm going to embrace that as a part of who I am. And once I did that, it just, things started happening. And again, like that doesn't mean that the songs are, I mean, music's whatever, like you make it and then people can think what they want of it. Um, but for me, for my journey, it's been really huge to accept even, you know, later in life, I'm a guy who's in my like later forties and I still learn so many things about myself and I still have to remind myself, oh, you have to give yourself permission sometimes to do something, to accept something into your identity and really be aware of that in order to actually become that. Hmm. And that's what happened with songwriting. So now I'm in a band here called Laundry House. I should plug them. Laundry House. On Spotify. We had a single that was playing on the radio here in Norway. So that was pretty cool. Congrats. And uh, it's been fun. None of that would have happened without just getting into it and saying, hey, this is something I'm going to do. This is something I love, something I'm interested in. Again, getting on that path. You know? this is why I love your life story because it, it, it's, you can see the themes there. You, you made that decision, right? You, you had to, on, on your podcast, we were talking a lot about unlearning. You had to unlearn those toxic things you were telling about yourself. You know, you're like, yeah, oh, you know, I'm not good enough, but the, who, who's deciding who's good enough? You know, the podcast, for example, who would have thought that, I mean, you probably did, but maybe some, someone looking at you then, no one would have thought that, Hey, this guy's going to be doing a podcast eight years later. And I remember back then, people didn't think this was an industry that was worth investing in. It's like, what about radio? Like, what's the, you know, what is this? And you've done this almost every week for eight years. And, and you've then <laughs> explored, it, man. <laughs> can you imagine? It was almost a decade. And then you, you've met, you know, you've been, you've been married, you've, you've gone into another passion of yours in music. You've launched two businesses out of that, but it all stemmed from that idea of making a decision for yourself, you know, to fit your identity. Yeah. I think a lot, a lot of times it, well, you can be your own worst enemy, of course. Mm. Right. So how can you overcome that? I mean, one way is to just give yourself permission to do insert whatever thing you want to do. Right. Sometimes it sounds so ridiculous because do I really need to talk to myself and give myself permission to do something? Kind of sometimes, yes. yes. <laughs> you know, who else like, would? Who else would though? Like, you know, who else would? Right. <laughs> right. Like you want to write a book. Well, what's holding you back? Well, yeah. maybe the thing is you need to give yourself permission to say, I'm gonna write a book. I don't, you know, I'm an I'm an author. Mm. Sometimes it's just accepting the identity and and even if you don't believe it, I do think there's sometimes an element of fake it to make it for yourself, you mm. know. 
because you might step into a, an identity like that and say, I'm going to, I'm giving myself permission to do this. I'm going to become an author. Or I'm going to become a, you know, thought leader, whatever you want to say. And then you have to just start acting as if, even if sometimes it feels totally fake to yourself, mm. Mm. <laughs> you know, I mean, how yeah. many times in your business have you felt like you an know, imposter? Almost all the time. I, I, yeah, I, I'm a poet. I've been writing poems since like you, I've been writing poems since I was a kid. I, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I'm also a huge hip hop fan, but I love music in general. I'm not a musician, but I wrote stuff all the time. I didn't start calling myself a poet until I think two and a half years ago, even though I have books of poems and I wrote poems in my, my first book and people would be like, Oh my gosh, your poems are so good. But to your point, I was like, oh, gosh, I'm not like I'll, I'll always look at the other poets like I'm not like this person. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not like that. Right. And I had to let that go because um, I was like, yeah, you, you write both more than half of your life. What do you mean you're not a poet? <laughs> yeah. and, and, and that's what it was. It was just me defining that and just saying I'm poor. Like you said, you're a songwriter. I think there's a certain power that comes with just calling yourself what you are. Yeah, I really think there is. And I mean, for you, yeah, when you embrace that, did it did it change the way you approach your work? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah I had a an innate sense of confidence that I didn't have before. And it was just with me knowing that I am what I say I am. I didn't it, it, I don't right. know if that makes any sense. It's like, ah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's I, I think for me too. And I'm, I'm not sure if this happened with you with poetry, but like with songwriting, at least I felt like, and I feel like this way with podcasting too. It, it's now you give yourself permission to be that thing and to take on that identity for whatever it's worth. If you need to do that for me, it's something I need to do. And then I feel like I can approach it more as like a craft. Like this is me working on the craft of podcasting, the craft of songwriting or the craft of poetry. And then you start studying that from a meta perspective in a different way. I do feel like it just kind of, you must give yourself permission to take yourself like more seriously with that, but not too seriously, you know, mm -hmm. there's a bit of a balance there, but yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. No, I, I, I this is so powerful, but the, that, that is the truth. Honestly, it's uh, because it, if you even think about it, you say I'm a songwriter or I'm a poet who's when we really think about it, I don't know how many people are going to denied they can't really take it away from you you're like oh you're a songwriter oh yeah right. yeah i've been writing songs since that I'm like oh that's so cool yeah i know this person is so a songwriter yeah. <laughs> but you know we can we can get in our heads sometimes yeah yeah i mean that. well everybody that's doing it now i think you could look at them and be like well they probably had to give themselves permission at some point too and then i hear interviews with world-class songwriters i listen to these podcasts and some of them are still like they have their own doubts too <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's just human nature. I suppose. It is. It is. Well, another thing that is uh, human nature is to be curious about the world, right? You've built nice, a nice segue. You know what? You know, yeah, seven man. years, seven years I had to do something. <laughs> I, I had to learn a few tricks. <laughs> Thank you, Oprah. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> but but when you when you when you're curious about the world and you end up creating this platform, I want you to share with us how we can build a community. I, I don't know that we've ever needed community more than we do now, especially with how the world is. So please teach us. What are some of those things you've learned from communities you've built? How can we build one? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, care. 
Mm. Right. Care about the thing, care about the people, (laughs) whatever the case is, whatever care about the mission, you know, whatever the thing is you are working to bring people together around to rally around to connect people for care. You know, I think that's a, sometimes something that gets lost in some businesses. (laughs) Care. (laughs) It's it's step one, you know? Um, There are a lot of different ways to look at community building. I think too, you know, if you're looking at it from a business perspective or, you know, a strategy, you know, your software company and you're like, we got to build community. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. I mean, that's, there's a lot of different directions to go with that. But, but I think at the core, you need to care. You need to be clear with the type of people that you want to attract. attract, And that can be with your sales copy, with your emails, with um, you know any landing pages you put together, communications, podcasts you go on. You want to talk about um, what the community is and give people an understanding of what they're becoming a part of, who the type of people that are in it. Um, I think another way is to make it a real low barrier of entry by introducing people to the community. Um, I mean, there are a lot of different models you can use if you want to use like the freemium model where you let people in first and then there's like a paywall for some other things. Um, Or if you're just sharing openly through social media, through email, whatever, giving people a sense of the actual people in the community and how what you've created has been able to transform their lives. And I think that's the thing that resonates the most. It's going to be the stories of the people in the community um, and how you've been able to kind of help them as a part of it. And just communicating that clearly to other prospective community members, because people got to understand what they're getting into and what's the value for them for becoming a part of a community. What's the transformation they're going to undergo? What is, what are they going to get? in their own lives for being around all these people you can get support in a certain way advice you know access to resources whatever the case is so you caring brings a certain energy to any community you create because people pick up on that you know you could write the best sales copy in the world well i should say the best in the world probably still converts but (laughs) but you know to a certain sense like at some point people will pick up whether you care or not yes they do Um, Oh my yeah. gosh. Yes. And then yeah. just creating a platform in a way that you're able to be a facilitator. You know, your job as a community manager or owner is to provide as much value as possible to the community. How can you do that? How can you connect people? How can you do it in a way that gets them the result that uh, gives them a chance to get the result that, that you're promising and have that transformation they want to make in their lives. Um, and then I think on a, on any level, and this could be like small, like online communities or a smaller level, like this Halloween, I organized a Halloween pumpkin carving here in my neighborhood in Norway. And it was funny because uh, they, a lot of them had never carved a pumpkin before because Halloween mm. isn't a big thing here. Yeah. And it was really cute because some of them were like, is this, you know, these grown men are asking me like, is this the right way to you know, just like you make the face however you want? Are we allowed to light it, you know, tonight or do we have to wait till Halloween? <laughs> light it whenever you want. Enjoy it. Um, no, it was great. I mean, it was just awesome to bring people together. And I think um, the lesson there is to just be a leader, to, to be somebody who starts things 
to be somebody who, you know, despite your fears of, you know, failure or things not working or whatever, to just start the darn thing and be, be the person, be the point person. And when you do that, you get to reap so many of the rewards too, like on the selfish side, you get to be the one to meet all of those people because you're heading it up. So you get to make a lot of new connections. Um, people see you as, you know, somebody who starts something and like, not in an ego way, but in a way where it's like, Hey, the next time you start something and you know, next time I put something out in the Facebook group for the neighborhood, they're going to know that I follow through, you know, because I did the thing before. So yeah. it, they're probably going to be like, Oh, well, you know, that was fun. Let's do this thing. And just be somebody who starts something. You don't have to be a leader. I'm using that in air quotes. You don't have to think like you're some incredible, you know, leader of humankind. You just need to be somebody who organizes something with a good intention and puts it out there. So, ah, that's, that's brilliant. I mean, so you said, got to care, uh, facilitate and start. And that, that point about caring and facilitate it, they, they both go hand in hand because when you care, you're facilitating the needs of the people that you are, you know, catering to. I think a lot of leaders make a mistake when they, they feel like they have to center themselves and they forget the goal of the community and the community is about centering, you know, the needs and providing a safe space for everyone to like, you know, fully be themselves. And there's a yeah. subtle difference. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've been looking at a lot of, uh, you know, cause like you, I, I study a lot of, you know, different audio things as well, or media. I just am fascinated with media. Um, and you see some of the biggest breakups happen, whether it's in the podcast world or media world, when they forget that part that that caring and facilitating mm. you know no it's me well how dare you that that and it happens in businesses too right you know we're both entrepreneurs you know when you or your co-founder loses sight of whatever that mission is it really causes a friction and mm. uh, that, that that's just a common thread i've noticed so yeah care facilitate and start yeah hey, look at that yeah there we go applicable <laughs> <laughs> um I love that. So as we close, please tell us where we can find out more information about you, all your links, your songs, your platforms, everything. <laughs> yeah, cool. Thanks. Um, thanks for having me on, by Pleasure. the way. This was an honor. And I mean, you've been doing this for many, many years as well. So, uh, you know, are we the OGs in the travel podcasting space? Not, uh, you know, we didn't start uh, in like 2005, but yeah. we've been around for a while. So, um, <laughs> And I guess I'm bringing that up because I do have a podcast, Zero to Travel. Mm -hmm. And if you just go over there and listen to the podcast, you'll find pretty much everything else. And of course, you can subscribe to the newsletter at zerototravel.com mm -hmm. and uh, figure out all the stuff coming from there. You'll get all the various links and the free newsletter. Usually, I, I'm trying to get back to once a week. Can't say I'm always the best, most consistent newsletter writer, but I'm um, going to try to provide as much value as possible and help you live the travel lifestyle of your dreams. Boom. Here we go. Well, the last question then. <laughs> you, you know the last question. The last question, Jason, is how do you use your difference to make a difference? Ooh. Yeah, uh, I think similar to what you've done building a platform that is, is a, is a, I guess a, a, a combination of like who you are and how you want to serve. Mm. Right. Um, so that's what I've done with my work in, in zero to travel is 
to basically take my experiences um, in life and try to figure out how I can share them in a way that can benefit others. And not, but not just my experiences. Let me now have a podcast and bring other people on and share their experiences. And really what it comes down to, I think, is sharing advice and stories and sharing knowledge, really. Um, and doing it in a way where we can bring people together so they can benefit from that knowledge. And uh, uh, I guess I'm using my difference to make a difference by... Um, taking the nomadic lifestyle I lived that I thought, well, who would ever value being nomadic? Who knew, right? Who knew that that would be valuable 10 years later after being uh, spending a decade on the road? Who knew that that would be something that other people would want to do? I just thought I was some weirdo, right? Yeah. <laughs> Who traveled all yeah. the time and didn't want to live anywhere. Uh, but it turns out there were a lot of other people out there feeling the same way. So yeah. I think it's just taking your unique experiences and figuring out a way to um, provide value to people, um, share stories, share helpful information, solve problems on the entrepreneurship side, um, and and create smart products and services that can be profitable. That you know helps you continue to grow your business and to also make a living doing what you love, um, but is also helping people do the thing that they want to do. And yeah, I just keep coming back to value. Value. Um, yeah, if you can just provide, you're creating something, you just think of all the, how can you just provide as much value as you possibly can? And, and generally speaking, when you do that, I feel like things lead somewhere good. Brilliant. Wow. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. It's been a true pleasure. I've enjoyed this moment. And uh, thank you for sharing all your knowledge. Thanks for having me. It was an honor. Kings, queens, and royalty till next time. Use a difference to make a difference. You've just been listening to the As Told by Nomads podcast. For more ways to reach out to Tayo and to use your difference to make a difference, head over to www.tayoroxon.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 